Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the TAO Intentions podcast. Our guest this evening is Tiffany O'Bannon. For today's episode, Tiffany O'Bannon is back on the podcast to discuss African American and minority women's issue. This is a part two of the first podcast episode, which was African American and minority women's issue with oppression and sexism. But today we're going to be focused on workplace racism. Tiffany O'Bannon will be diving in on workplace racism in our part two segment of the African American and minority issues episode. Welcome Tiffany O'Bannon to TAO Intentions podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for having me again. Of course, we're always happy to have you. Um, So we're just going to get right into it. Uh, This is a part two segment of the African-American and minority women's issues. And today we're focusing on workplace racism. And so um, we'll just dive right into the first question, which is with African-American and minority women's issue, workplace racism is another category of what women might be experiencing. Please provide examples of workplace racism so that the audience can be more aware of what that looks like. So workplace racism can range in um, how it it can um, present as someone making lower pay than a minority making lower pay than one of their counterparts. Um, That's not a minority. Um, Being overlooked for promotions, maybe based on the way that you look or the way you a hairstyle. I've had um, people say, oh, they felt like they didn't get the job because they went to an interview and they had braids. And the interviewer made comments on the person's hairstyle. Um, microaggressions when you're already in the work, you know, in, a, in the workforce, stereotyping, being ignored and overlooked, and often being um, people shared that they're overly criticized. So that's a few that I hear pretty often. Oh, wow. That's very true. I can say that I've experienced that. So <laughs> the overly <laughs> criticized part is, is what I, I can say that I, I have experienced. I, you know, if I make a mistake for some apparent reason, you know, the boss will go above and beyond to point it out to me. But if somebody else, for example, mm-hmm. who's maybe a favorite, um, happens to do the exact same thing constantly, they will they will get a pass. Like, it's nothing. And they'll laugh and kiki right. and be happy. So I, I, I do definitely understand where you're coming from with, with that example. All right. So second question. In a time where we should be a bit more educated on the things we ought not to say to others in the workplace, why do you feel that people are less sensitive? So I feel like people um, should be more educated, but they aren't (laughs) because they feel like um, the extremely racist things that have happened in history were a long time ago. So if we're talking about the U.S. and slavery, it's like, oh, that was a while ago. Things aren't that way anymore. That was the past. And slavery has been going on now. Um, so it, there's no more racism. It's just over. Um, and if you look at how 
you know, in America, we've had an um, African-American president, uh, um, and we have a lot of prominent African-Americans in high, um, high places. They, I think it has people ignore, it makes people ignore the past. So I think because of that, they tend to not educate themselves on what's going on, you know, as system, systemically. Um, and how minorities are still at a disadvantage in many ways. Um, so I think that is why, just because overall, you know, if you just look at um, different minorities, you're like, oh, they're fine. I mean, there was a black president, so people can't be racist, you know, um, and when that's really not the case. So I do agree with everything that you are saying. And one of the reasons why I do agree is that once, you know, President Obama was elected, there was racism that was rising. But again, they would they would almost cover it up with the fact that, oh, you have a black president, though. But you could feel behind what they're saying, even though they're trying to be excited for you. They weren't really that excited. And mm-hmm. so... When you watch the news and you hear what all of these these powerful Caucasian men would would have to say about Obama, as well as certain newscasters that were female Caucasian, they had certain things to say as well. They love to criticize. They love to act like they can do the job better, and they weren't really taking into consideration, you know, what he had to fight against in Congress. So we saw the racism there. And, you know, it's almost like he, you know, the, the, the atmosphere, the air just screamed he didn't deserve it. Once Trump, I agree. yeah, once Trump got into office now, it got even worse. And everyone that were, that was hiding their racism and how they really felt about seeing a black family rise to the level of presidency, it started to really come out. And people started to cheer him on and completely support him in in that kind of way. And racism just got beyond and out of control. And so I do agree with what you're saying. Even here in Canada, you know, there's certain people that would come up to me and they would say certain things like that, like, oh, wow, you know, you had a, a black president of the United States. Like, that's amazing. And once Donald Trump got into office, their script actually switched. It really did. They were they were starting if they would say something that would trigger a reaction to the their blunt racist um, or racist statements. And then when you're trying to educate them, they then go, oh, no, that's not what I meant. And they play the victim. And then they would turn around and said, oh, you know, Michelle Obama says, you know, when they go low, you should go high. And then I said, why? Why did you feel the need to go low in the first place? Mm -hmm. So when you start asking. Sorry. And what would they say? Oh, no, I was going to say I was asking, what would they say? Can you give me an example? It was in regards to Donald Trump. Um, because I felt that he was dangerous and I felt that what he was doing was manipulating the people, especially Caucasian people. And I felt sorry for them. 
And I said to this, this person, just he always seemed to come back to me to argue with me about Trump. I guess nobody else would or in the, in the black community because he, he knows a lot of black people. And he would always come back to me. And I said, listen, that what he just said was was unacceptable. And he goes, no, that's not what he meant. And I said, what did you hear? And he's like, oh, well, he came back and he corrected it. I said, no, 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 no. Originally, what did you hear? And it was about, you know, the Charlotte, Charlottetown um, problem that happened or occurred. Um, just little inst- instance like that. And he's like, well, do you feel that Donald Trump is a racist? And I said, yes, he's 100% a racist. I feel it in my core. We as black people would know what a racist looks like. We know. And he would then, you know, kind of said, well, I don't think he's a racist. I think he's doing great for America. He's bringing forth and bringing forward everything that is unresolved. And I said, you're 100% right, but not in the way that I'm saying it. I appreciate Trump for bringing out the racist, the people that were hiding behind certain words or hanging out with certain black people to seem like they're down. I'm glad he did that because now we see their faces. It's no longer behind closed doors. There's no curtain covering it up and the fake smiles. It's there. It's blunt. It's in your face. And so these are the type of things that we would argue about. And he would deliberately, you know, say something triggering like, oh, there, you know, racism doesn't exist. It's all in in black people's head. It's all in your heads. Like, why can't you guys get it? There's no such thing as racism. And, you know, then he'll start having the argument with me about white privilege. And I said, well, not all white people have white privilege, but some people do. And I said, you have to understand when you hit rock bottom, did you not have help getting back up? And he's like, yeah, I said, most of us as a black culture don't have that. We don't have a black neighbor or a black friend that's not at rock bottom with us to help us up. So I, the, the argument was that we don't have that, that, lend, that hand, that open hand, that opportunity that comes our way as quickly and as easily. We have to work for it. It's almost like we have to prove ourselves above and beyond. And then on top of that, we also have to keep ourselves silent and quiet and be grateful for the little peanuts that's being thrown at us. And I said, you might not understand that because your life, even when you hit rock bottom, it was still quite comfortable. But for other people outside of your culture, that's really not the case. And so these are the kind of arguments that we would have, but he would he would just like to to say certain things that were very triggering and saying, well, you uh-huh. know, if you think Donald Trump is racist, you're racist. And I said, fine, I'm racist. And he's like, what? You should you should be better. And of course, I did that to trigger him back because he started it. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, if, if you say, sure, you're right, like it really pisses them off. And right. um and uh, at, at some point, he just started, you know, saying just really disturbing things like Donald Trump was right, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you're right. You are a Trump supporter. Why don't you move to the United States and worship him? You know, just keep pushing that button because <laughs> at this point, I'm pissed. Right. But I have to remain calm or they'll, you know, assume that I'm an aggressive, angry black woman because I don't agree or accept the the narrative that they're putting out there and also making it seem like in my mind 
what I deem to be racist is not racist. And then when I give examples of, you know, racism that has been brought against me, they go, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but there is no such thing as racism. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's, and that's the worst thing ever, just ignoring what you're saying as if your reality isn't real. Yeah. It's, I just couldn't believe it. But this person, even though they should have just walked away, would go out of their way to bump into me, to message me, even though he's being ignored because he desperately wants to talk about Donald Trump. It's almost like he needed to convince me that Donald Trump was not a racist and he was the best thing that ever happened to black people. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> borderline harassment oh my god it was harassment i have never been harassed that way in my entire life i was like this white man god if no one was looking i'd give you a good backhand like a good backhand like desperately wanted to do it but again angry Mm -hmm. black woman if you did right right exactly and a constant reminder look at michelle obama this is what black women should aspire to be like her And I'm like, well, yeah, we would love to, but she's a a whole different level. She, she's, she's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and who's to say that there aren't, the majority of black women aren't. Well, I, I do agree. Meeting you, for example, you kind of give me that Michelle Obama essence. It's almost like you're, you're cut from the same cloth kind of thing. Um, but Due to the arguments and the way that I interacted with this person, I couldn't necessarily say that I I exhibited the behaviors of a Michelle Obama. She has more years of experience. She's had to be in that atmosphere for so long and still learn how to communicate with people that who are racist, um, but genuinely believe that they're not, as they're saying, I'm not racist. You know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean because even his comment, "Why can't women, black women, be like her?" her that's that's super racist because it's almost like you're saying, "Why can't you be a good? Why can't all black women be be a good black woman like her?" Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, yeah. what does that even? What does that mean? Michelle Obama is Michelle Obama. She's an you know individual. Or, right. I am who I am, and why does someone have to? And it's almost like it's almost like you're saying the majority of of black women aren't. So why can't you? So why can't you be like, like her? And that's a stereotype that is being, you know, a stereotypical idea that's being pushed. And it's also not necessarily a truth. Yes, and I think because he was connected to a lot of black people who just came from their country. Their mannerism, the way that they behaved, it's clear that they're not of this society. And so he Uh keeps meeting those types of people. And in his mind, he would rather be associated with the Michelle Obamas of the world or the Barack Obamas of the world Uh kind of mentality. And so I understood where he was coming from in that perspective, but to assume that all black women have the same experiences, same upbringings, and same behavior, and we're not human, 
you know, because she said, if they go low, you go, you know, high. And he, he took that, he used that comment every single time he, he would trigger an argument and say something that would get the reaction that he wanted just so he can give me a lecture and point his fingers and go, see, this is not what Michelle Obama would do. And I said, well, you're not Barack and Barack wouldn't have done what you just did. You know what I mean? So we would have that kind of dialogue going back and forth. I said, your behavior is very Donald Trump. So this is a type of argument wow. that we would have. And again, for six months, this person kept coming back, would show up at my workplace. It it was horrible. Show up at your workplace? Oh, yes. Trying to act like a friend after behaving the way that he did. And I was like, okay, this is starting to get creepy. Oh, yeah, that's totally creepy. Yeah, to the point where even my my co- Caucasian co-workers were like, what's his problem? Not because they heard our argument, but just his behavior. But I understood that he, he needed control. I'm a very free-spirited type of person. I have my own opinion, and no one's going to tell me that my opinion is wrong. But you are welcome to give me another perspective that would maybe open my mind a bit more, that's perfectly fine. But if I am rejecting a thought that you're giving me because it is negative and it's incorrect, just accept it. And he couldn't. He needed to prove that Donald Trump was not racist and this is how you know Caucasian men think and behave and we as black people should just accept it. It was a control thing. He needed to exhibit control and he definitely wasn't getting it with me. So I guess he just kept coming back and saw it as a challenge to try to change my mind. And of course, I did the the passive aggressive thing and just said, you're right. You're right. All hail Donald Trump. Donald Trump's amazing. Do you see what he did? Did you see how he worshipped and lift up all of these people? Look how wonderful he is. He went out there and he supported police brutality. That's an amazing man, isn't he? Oh my God, kill all those black people. Kill them all. You know, and I would say this to him just to piss him off. And then he goes, well, 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 well no, that's not, that's not what I meant. And what, what Donald Trump did was wrong. And wait a minute. Now you want to switch your script? Right. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So it was frustrating <laughs> dealing with those uh-huh. people. <laughs> I, that would definitely- oh my God. I think I ended up blocking this person from my life. I switched workplace <laughs> and blocked. But you handled it well. I don't think I did. I really don't. No? I, th- I think I... <sighs> I definitely... Uh, use my my passive aggressive nature in this and really joined in the manipulation and enjoyed it so i feel like i'm a bad person for doing that no i think well just i mean this is my opinion i mean when you engage in conversations with people who aren't gonna listen then sometimes that's that's just the way it is it's like okay you're trying you're just trying to get him to stop talking so he wants to be right, and he wasn't prepared to listen, so let him be right. And, you know, that's it. I didn't think it was that horrible. Mm, I mean, he wasn't going to listen. It was horrible. It was horrible because the more I gave in to, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, my God, you're so right. 
you are so amazing. Like, look how amazing you are. Once I started doing that a lot, he he kept coming back again and again and again. Mm-hmm. It was almost like doing that also encouraged him. So it, it it defeated the purpose. If I if I defied and said no, I disagree, he'd come back. When I said no, you're hundred percent right, Donald Trump is amazing. Oh, what I mean, Canada need a leader like that here, you know? All of that kind of stuff, he would still come back. I guess because mm-hmm. he could see through my sarcasm, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I, that, that's the type of topic of conversations that I've had to deal with since Donald Trump. I see. Yeah, it's great. So next question, how do therapy help to assist women experiencing this type of, of abuse in the workplace? And would you consider racism abusive? Um, I would definitely consider um, racism abusive. Um, and I think... Therapy can help, um, well, ways that I use, <clears throat> that I help women in therapy when it comes to workplace racism is I make sure, first of all, I listen, because a lot of times when we are experiencing, um, and I even include myself because I've experienced it too, um, when we're experiencing this racism, we don't really have anyone to talk to. So the first key is, is actually um, listening, so I listen to them and give them a safe space to share what it is they're experiencing, because I think with Black women and my minority women, also as a whole, the silencing of you know not being able to share what your experience, what your experience has been, is also a burden. So just listening to someone, you know, in a way that's not biased, is healing in itself. So first, listening to them letting them be able to process their thoughts, what they're experiencing, how that makes them feel, coaching them through how they're feeling and how it's affecting them. And then I give them tools to use in order to deal with the racisms depending on what they are. So um, one thing I always encourage people to do is to speak up for themselves. So if you experience some type of situation where you've been offended or any way I always encourage them to practice saying something about it and when I say saying something about it I don't mean you have to go and confront people and say hey you're being racist like you don't have to do that but everyone's personality is different so I encourage them to figure out a way to bring light to what they've experienced but in a way that's non-confrontational so like for instance for me I'm a silly person so if someone does something, they you know say something racist or there's some type of microaggression towards me, I'll ask them a question in a silly way. Like, like one time I had someone call me another black um, co-worker's name. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because all black people look alike, huh? <laughs> you, know, like, you, know, you know, like you figure out a way that fits your personality, but the key is to give yourself a voice. Because experiencing it over and over and over and not being able to, and being silenced at the same time does so much damage. So figuring out a way to address things in a non-emotional way, um, I think is a tool that people can use. And I feel like the simplest one that um, I help women use 
And when you do that, it doesn't matter. You're not doing it to get a particular response from the other person, but you're doing it to give yourself a voice and so that you don't leave with that burden that someone has said something racist to you or has wronged you. And, you know, you leave with it on your heart. Every time you stand up, you stand up and you say something, you release it from, you know, your body. I know I talk about a lot. There's this book called The Body Keeps Score, and it's about trauma and how every time we've been wronged, our body keeps score of it. We can tell ourselves that we've forgotten, but your body remembers. So every offense that someone has, um, that you've experienced or, you know, negative emotion, your body is keeping score. So you want to release as much as you can. So if they've done something and it's activated you, you know, with a, with a negative emotion, just say something and release that. And now you leave, you know what I'm saying, with a little less on your heart. Does that make sense? Yes, it does completely. Okay. I think so that's, that's what I did in my tool. story. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, right, you did. That's why I said that I felt like that was a great tactic. You just said, oh, okay, yeah, sure, because... And then you told him everything that you know Donald Trump did and how it was wrong. Oh yeah, that sounds absolutely perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like no one, no one can um, accuse you of um, of disrespecting anyone. Everything. That's why I felt like what you did was appropriate because he can't go and complain that you've done anything. Now, if you would have gotten angry, like really angry, like no, you're wrong. How dare you? Then you know they can flip it into something else. But I felt what, that's why I felt what you did was appropriate because sometimes when you repeat to people what they're saying, like you did, they don't realize what they're saying until you repeat it. And then you're, they're like, oh, wait, that does sound pretty silly, huh? So asking questions a lot, too, that's another tool. Like if someone says something that seems strange and you repeat, repeat it and say, oh, did you just say blah, 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 you know, whatever the question, you know, whatever the statement was that's offensive. And then when they... When you, when you ask the question again and then they hear it, then they realize how ridiculous it sounds. But you've given yourself a voice, you know, in a non-confrontational way, and then now they have to deal with it. You know what I mean? Um, so those are some tools I give people to address uh, microaggressions and things like that. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Makes me feel good. <laughs> um do you feel that workplace abuse can affect a person's well-being that is emotionally, financially, social, occupational, spiritual, intellectual, environmental, and physical? Definitely. All the olds, <laughs> emotional, financial, it can um, affect all of those because um, in a lot of cases, people, you know, their job is their means for survival. So a lot of times people are hesitant to speak up about what they're experiencing because they are afraid that they're going to lose their job or they're afraid, um, yeah, they're afraid they're going to lose their job and they need their money, you know. So then that weighs on you emotionally, that can weigh on you financially um, and spiritually just in general. Like, it, it, And you all of a sudden maybe you because you can't speak, you're experiencing this racism and you can't speak up. Now you're not motivated to get out of the bed and go to work, you know. Now you're feeling depressed. Now every time you wake, like you don't want to wake up and get out of the bed in the morning. So it can affect 
everything. And financially, it can affect you because then maybe other projects that you have to do, you're so um, unmotivated that you can't, you know, do your side hustle now because you're so drained from what you're experiencing at work. So I think it can affect you in all those ways. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you for breaking that down. In your opinion, what are things that women slash men could do to make their coworkers more aware of this un- unacceptable behavior? Which I think you already oh, mentioned, but... Mm-hmm. I can review that. So I think the, most imp- the, the, the main thing that you can do is highlight it and not ignore it. Um, you can, when someone says something to you that offends you, then you bring light to it. Um, you can, and, and it's tricky because, you know, every workplace environment is different, but you have to figure out a way to, and this is in the case if anyone offends you, this isn't even workplace, just in general, just specifically for workplace, but in general, if someone offends you, you have to figure out a way to bring that to their attention that in which you honor yourself, but you're also respecting the other person. You know, you're not trying to confront you know, go around confronting everybody that has wronged you, but you do want to um, stand up for yourself. So, for instance, one thing that I've that I teach people and that I do, I think oh, I may have mentioned this before um, in one of the other podcasts, is my go-to statement is this: "This is inappropriate, and I'm not going to have this conversation." You know, telling someone that something is inappropriate is like non-confrontational. They can't report you. <laughs> like, what are you going to report me and say? Oh, she said that's inappropriate. Like, no, no one can do that. So if someone offends you, you say, mm, or if they're beginning to go somewhere where you don't want to go, my universal statement is, this, you know, this is inappropriate. Maybe we should talk about this at a different time. Then it's on them to say, well, how is this inappropriate? Then if they want to be educated, you can move forward and say that. So I think having, figuring out key phrases that you can use at any time is helpful because when these situations come, you want to have something like locked and loaded already because when these situations come up, your anxiety rises very quickly. You know what I'm saying? And you're not, you don't want to try to think on the spot because it may not be the right thing because it's very, you know, it's an emotional thing when these things happen. So having a statement that you can just fling at somebody that's like, that applies to most things is always helpful. So that's what I encourage people to do: have universal statements that they can just that they can just say when things come up that are that are unacceptable and that are racist. Okay, so I a hundred percent agree with with what you're saying, but I don't think the thing that I find that has been a trend for years now is even when. Um, a black female or a black male do bring this inappropriate behavior to someone's attention, they won't necessarily go and complain about it, but they will deliberately try to undermine you. They would try to label you as difficult. And this has been a huge trend in jobs nowadays. Where if if a black woman or a black man don't appreciate what is being said to them, they feel that it's not right, and they do speak up and they say, "Hey, I don't appreciate your language. I don't, I don't appreciate that level of racism." All of a sudden, 
you know, they'll go into their supervisor and there will be a review where the supervisor is now saying, oh, your coworkers have said that you're very difficult to work with. I hear what you're saying. Um, I think that that kind of situation is a, those you have to address case by case because I would ask what exactly happened in the conversation. Because I, I feel like people um, make those kind like they'll ask me questions like that in general, but then when we discuss what happened specifically and really break it down, I can figure out some way where they could have kept, they could have made their complaint a little bit more general and in, in, in less um, open for them to come back and call you difficult. Not that I'm saying that everything, you know, that someone is making, they're still making a statement that is, um, have them viewed as difficult all the time. But there's usually somewhere where we can adjust, you know, the, the person's approach and so that that isn't always the outcome. That's the majority of the time. Of course, there are exceptions to every rule. Those other times, I should say, I would say that if you're always getting looked at as you know, the troublemaker or um, no matter how, let's say, PC you're trying to be, they still complain, I would challenge that person to consider whether or not they should really be there. I mean, every place isn't for you, right? And you're not forced to be at any, you know, place at any given time. So maybe it's time to look for another job someplace else. I'm not saying just at that moment, gotta go um, and, you know, leave without a plan in place. But maybe that's something to consider because even you taking that negative energy that they give you and that you're experiencing and using it to find another position still gives you voice and it still gives you power. Mm -hmm. the, the point is to always have power. Do you, you know what I mean? So maybe the decision would be the way I come back from this and to give myself power is to say, you know what, they are tripping despite the fact that I'm trying to be as, um, you know, respectful as I possibly can. This isn't good for my spirit, so let me take my energy and look for another position. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think that's the way, a couple of ways to address it. All right. I also know that women who has been in this situation multiple times went from job to job, and at this point in their lives, this has been normalized, and they have even laughed at the jokes directed at them. Those women have now lost their voice. A part of your ambitious obsession is to provide empowerment. How would you be able to give strength where it is needed when a woman has experienced defeat in such a situation? So this is another one of those hard ones without a specific example, but I think when it comes to um, racism, a lot of times and how we address it, we have to really um, look within, and because there, despite um, people being racist, we have our own flaws that really um, kind of mold how we approach these types of situations. So someone moving from job to job because of, you know, um, the racism happening. Any types of patterns that we have, I um, encourage people to really look into it, 
to themselves first. Because sometimes we're running away from things. Sometimes there are some there is racism going on at times, but then on top of that, there are things that we're not facing within ourselves that need a little bit of care. Mm-hmm. So um, if it's happening multiple times, I suggest that you look within because it, things happen, but it's happening over and over and over and over. You know, usually the common denominator is you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, multiple times, multiple times what I'm saying. I don't mean a few, but I mean multiple to the point where you're moving from job to job. I would suggest that that person look within and maybe, am I speaking up for myself? What am I doing? Every time this happens, do I speak up? Do I make a complaint? Have I tried to do a complaint? Have I tried speaking up? Have I tried? What have I tried? What have I done? And have I been successful? Or what is the reason reason for this moving what's the reason for multiple doing something multiple times than anything you know what I'm saying um, what would possess you to do that so I would encourage that person to look within first because there are things that we do that and we don't even realize perpetuate the stereotypes or we allow it we allow people to say things around us that we ignore so then they continue to do it because you, you, you never said stop or, or never um, presented the problem so then we're experiencing things over and over that we've never even um, stated was a problem. A lot of times racist people are totally, not totally, but I feel like some, in some cases unaware that things that they say are, are offensive. So you have to be a part of educating people when you've experienced it, you know, and someone's engaging with you. Don't allow them to do certain things. So... I gave you a few different answers, but... Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think they're happening multiple times. I think you have to look within to see if there's something that you're doing that's contributing to you experiencing this over and over. Okay. No, thank you for answering that question. I know it was vague, and I was trying to come up with um, an example. The only... Actually, I can't even give you that example because I wasn't really present for it. So it would kind of defeat the purpose since I don't have enough information um, about it. But I do have a, a random question. I just kind of wanted you to, I'm going to tell you a, to a situation and I'm hoping that you can help me understand if that would be categorized as oppression and sexism or you know, workplace racism. It could also be just workplace harassment. But after your first podcast episode about oppression and sexism, it kind of, our discussions, it kind of helped me to kind of separate a few things. Um, Things that I would have considered to be racist are now not racist after you broke it down. And so we know that in society that women... Um, sometimes are hired by certain managers or supervisors for the way that they look. And these managers and supervisors hire them in hopes to sleep with them. Now, I started noticing a rise, or maybe it's always been happening and I've never noticed it before, but there seems to be a rise in black men being hired into you know prestigious roles um, by you know Caucasian women who are 
in a higher position who are hoping to conduct a sexual relationship with them at work um, with the with their job being held over their heads and what I find odd about that is that the men don't seem upset about it as much as women would be they also seem to mm-hmm. be to, to, to almost feel pride being viewed as a sexual object or, you know, the black man with the big D and all of these Caucasian women want him and that kind of mentality. And so at first, you know, I thought maybe it was racism, but I was like, you know what, it might not really be it. And I can't really say that it's sexual harassment because these black men want that kind of attention it gets them paid sometimes they might not even need to do very much work they just need to give this this manager a lot of attention and sleep with her after work and come to work and he can get away with whatever he wants so he likes the free pass but you know of course if he happens to talk to another caucasian girl she's fired (laughs) you know and i would be in the workplace just kind of watching this going is this really happening? Like, why? This should be something that's a secret, no? Like, it shouldn't really be this obvious that you were hired specifically to be used as a sexual object and that you are property, even though this manager is not actually paying you out of her pocket. She and other managers who are men as well, you know, as they do to women as well, Um, are using the company's money and the company's status to get their way sexually with people who are under their authority. Now, that, that has confused me for years now, and I could not for the life of me put a title on what that is. So I am hoping that you know what I'm talking about. Well, I, I, I can't necessarily put a title on that. No, I'm not quite sure. I have not heard of that. I'm not saying it's not existing here, but um, or it doesn't exist here, but no one has ever come to me <laughs> sharing that with me. So that's new to me. Really? Anything that, mm-hmm. but if anything is, is a form of manipulation, definitely. But it is tricky because I hear what you're saying. The men like it. So, you know, part of being oppressed <laughs> is you not liking it, right? So if they do, it makes it, you know, it's, it's definitely different. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't know what you would call that. Well, that's because I feel like that stereotype from, you know, during the time of slavery, they would, Mm -hmm. you know, have men and women that they took off the boats and they would chain them up naked so that, you know, slave owners could look at their body and decide if they're fit to be slaves for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it could have you know, been, oh, you know, that slave looks good or that slave looks this way and they can work and they can also provide sexual favors for free because they're slaves. And mm. that the, 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 the term, you know, the, the black men have big D's kind of came from, from that, and to see in our society nowadays, and let's be real, not all black men have big D's, but hey, that's the stereotype. 
And so that stereotype now is still alive and well and kicking furiously. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm thinking, is it racism if that's the way that they're being viewed and that they're being hired to provide the big black D <laughs> to... Like, is it a, I so, know what you're saying. Like, is it a continuation of that same system? Yes. Way, but just cover it up. Mm-hmm. Yes. It definitely sounds like that. See, you're, you're on to something. You need to do some research and come up with a, a, <laughs> with a document, you know? I would <laughs> love to. Because <laughs> that's true. The way you just, like, laid that out, that's, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It does seem like the same type of thing, system. It's, it Only feels like, different. yeah, because you're getting paid. Because, because you're getting paid. And that's another way that systemic racism... Um, continue. So in essence, I think you, you, you answered your own question. It, it, it could, it is. Okay. Cause that's what I was like, am I just looking at it from, you know, a black and white point of view or am I just missing it? You know what I mean? So I was like, I might as well just ask a professional if, if it's just me, is it all in my head? So at first when you said it, I didn't connect it to the history. Just you know, based off you saying it to me. Like, so when you broke it down a little more, like with your comparison of what came to mind for you with that, then I was like, oh yeah, that that sounds like the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I just, I just find it very odd. I would, hopefully I can find a guy to bring on the podcast that I could maybe oh, ask this question because they seem very comfortable with being seen as a sexual object mm-hmm. and I I, I I mean sorry I didn't mean to no 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 keep answer the question <laughs> I was just gonna say I, I can see how that would be okay with them because you know they're men so society has taught them that what what are they supposed to do they'll get as many women as possible you know what I'm saying and um conquer you know that's their goal challenges conquering um, accomplishments so they figure they probably figure hey if I can get paid and get you know free sex to an extent like hey that's that's great for me you know I can see why a man would be okay with that you know a certain type of man not every single man because they I think they're just engineered differently they're you know they're con- they're conquerors they're hunters so, you know, they will take it a little less lightly than we would. Maybe the reason why we we take it in an offensive way is because it's always like the sloppy, nasty, blah type of managers that are coming our <laughs> way. And yet the black guys kind of get the, the, the cutest fish in the sea. <laughs> So I was like, maybe that's again, the case. Again, I was going to say, again, I can't act like I'm the expert on this because I've never, this is the first time I'm ever hearing of this. So um, I can only go with what I'm thinking, you know, at the moment based on what, what you're saying. So if you're saying that we normally get the sloppies, then <laughs> maybe that is why we be a little bit more hesitant. Well, <laughs> you know, no. Guys, and they all for it. 
I you, listen. I've I've worked at jobs where, you know, um, guys clearly hired me for my looks, and they figured mm-hmm. that having me close in the company, or you know, mentoring to me in some way um, during the job will somehow provide them access up my skirt. And I remember the story mm-hmm. that I heard because I, I worked with an Asian girl once. Um, and I don't even remember how the topic of conversation came up. I think, okay, now I remember how the topic of conversation came up. We ended up going to like a a little party for work, but it was like a brunch, um, at like noon. And we happened to be just be talking a little bit and we overheard this conversation where this Caucasian girl says to this Asian guy, oh, I've slept with an Asian guy before. And... They all just kind of paused and looked at her and go, oh, okay. But the way she was saying it, it was almost like she needed attention um, from from saying that she slept with minorities. And so the Asian girl and I were just kind of turned and looked at her because we're so confused. No one was talking about this, but she she needed to make it known to everyone in that group that she has slept with an Asian guy. And we're like, okay. So after we all separated and the Asian girl and I just kind of went off to our own corner to stuff our face with, I don't know what it was. It was cake. It was cute. We're like, oh, let's go eat that. And um, she, she had confessed to me, you know, that when the girl said that to her, she's like, she said, you know, my previous job, Um, that I worked at. I just finished university and I went for a job interview. And in the job interview, it seemed like it was okay. But she said that, you know, the kind of questions that the manager was asking her was very just social. Um, It was nothing pertaining to the job. So she was a bit confused about what the job was. So by the time the interview was over, he was like, oh, do you have any questions? And she's like, well, you haven't really told me anything about the job and what the role requires. And so he eventually got to breaking it down to her and making sure that she knew what her pay would be. And so she was like, okay, coming out of university, this is something that she that she was okay with, um, could help her pay her student loans. Upon entering the job now, she, um, she started noticing that the same boss that hired her would always come around, um, would be leaning in a little too closely, monitoring every single thing that she does, pointing out certain things, trying to be super helpful, sitting down beside her, showing her everything. And I said, well, maybe it's the beginning of the job and your boss wanted to make sure you got it. She was like, Orchid, it was over the simplest things. Like any any person would have known how to do certain things, but he needed to show, like, look how impressive I am by doing something so tiny that a 12-year-old could do it. And so it came to a point where, you know, he would be asking her to stay late after work and inviting her for drinks after work to hang out or, you know, convincing her to go to lunch with him so he can sit there and talk about himself and she was like this is the oddest thing ever i'd rather just work than have to sit here and listen to him and this would go on for months she ended up telling her boyfriend about it hoping that her boyfriend maybe could see something that she didn't um and he was like listen if 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 you need to sleep your way up in the company like go for it and that was his response to her she was shocked because she's like what she's like listen do what you got to do to keep your job. Like if he's looking at you that way, if you need to slide him some cooch cooch, you know, do it. So she was appalled 
because this is her boyfriend saying this and she's looking at the situation and she thought if he now assumed that this manager hired me for sex so that she could get paid from the company to pay her student loans that that said a lot and I said girl based on your conversation you need to let your boss go and you need to let your man go kick kick him to the curb but she said that it's just so and she said to me it's just so insulting to walk into a place where you're more educated and a lot more experienced and know how to do the job better than the manager themselves and to have them reduce you to just a sexual object in a workplace where you're getting paid less than they are just to be sexually harassed she was she was very angry about it mm-hmm. yeah that I would, I would be angry too. And so I just kind of wanted to share that story because that really, I, I did not know that other minority groups were going through that because mm-hmm. we sometimes can only look at our own communities. We're not looking at other communities. So for her to have confessed that this is what she went through before, and I guess what the girl said just kind of triggered her and that's when she felt the need Mm -hmm. to share and I just kind of listened and I was like okay first things first lose the boyfriend (laughs) right lose lose the boyfriend Mm -hmm. yeah I think that is a common thing that women experience um you know just being sexually harassed you know in the workplace I think that's why so many people are coming out with well you know me too how that was like a huge movement like a little bit ago. So I think a lot of women are experiencing that or have experienced it in the past and, again, have been silenced and haven't been able to have a voice to share what it is that they've experienced. Yeah. I just felt like sharing a story to kind of add to workplace racism. I wasn't sure if, you know, that story is relevant with workplace mm-hmm. racism because she is Asian. But as, as you mentioned prior in the oppression and sexism episode, that that's our sort of behavior is not considered racism. It's, it's a, it's oppression. It's sexism. Right. It's more of oppression and sexism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that can happen with any race of woman. I think that's just part of being one of the things we experience just being a woman being sexualized no matter what and being um yeah being sexualized and men needing to feel that they have to teach us something you know like oh let me take you under my wing and i'll teach you like you know you know that that kind of thing it's like i know more than you like what are you talking about yeah and i've actually been in that sort of situation not knowing more but to have a manager um who hired me just so he could have me run after him or run behind him and ask him 21 questions and when I stopped doing it he got very upset like I kissed another boy territory kind of reaction so (laughs) it was weird just weird Uh but all right so how can people reach you Uh, people can reach me you can my email is always good my email address is m as in mary f as in frank t as in tiffany mfttiffany at gmail.com 
and my um, Instagram hashtag is Tiffany O Wellness, and Tiffany is spelled with two F's, T I F F A N Y. Oh, wellness. All right. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today about workplace racism. Um, I hope that everyone can hear you clearly because the connection is quite poor, but I hope they get it. And I hope to see you in the future on the YouTube channel for the podcast YouTube crossover series. And we can talk a bit more in depth. The audience will be able to see your face, see your reaction, see your excitement, see all the stuff that they're not able to see um, in a podcast episode. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast episode. Don't forget to click the follow button under the TAO Intentions podcast on Apple, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. TAO social media pages are Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. Don't forget to share this episode if you like it. Now, I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful day.